Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's almost like a switch had been flipped. He got instantly angry. I saw my life flash before my eyes. I was terrified. I thought to myself, oh dear God, this can't get any worse. Welcome to Betrayal. I'm your host, Darren Karp. This episode is actually a tough one to swallow. All of our episodes happen to be tough, but this one in particular. When Christine Kent gives in to her own kindness multiple times for a guy who won't leave her alone, ladies, some of us have been there, it ends in a betrayal so heartbreaking it will have you questioning every friendship you've ever made in your life. And speaking of friendship, I'm so excited to bring on a friend of mine I've known in the true crime world for quite a while now. He's the co-host of the hit true crime podcast, Crawl Space, founder of Crawl Space Media, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. He's got six-pack abs. I'm just adding this in just for a little color for you, Lance. We've got Lance Reinsterna on the line. How you doing, Lance? I am so well. Uh, I wanted to throw actually, you off a little bit. Used to be an eight-pack, but, you know, the, the quarantine, I kind of slipped a little bit. Now it's and- a keg. It's now, a keg. Now it's it's down to four four pack. <laughs> but uh, but still still you could you could wash a uh, a bed sheet on it. Yes, I'm sure you could. Welcome to Betrayal Lance. We are so so stoked to have you. You know you have a lot of credentials, but you may be most known for literally your endless and tireless work on this Maura Murray case, which is still unsolved after so many years. Can you give us a brief recap of that case and where it stands today? Oh, for sure. The The case is obviously still open. It's not a criminal case because she was an adult when she went missing in 2004. So it, it there's no evidence of uh, significant foul play. There's never been any significant sighting of her, which makes the mystery even more appealing, I guess, to the cr- true crime community. And what keeps driving us is that there's always something that comes up uh, behind the scenes Every other week, just when you think it starts to get to that like down cycle or that lull, we'll get something like that that brings us back into it. And then we have to go on the show and talk about it. But what's more with uh, with Morris case is what it's done with the community. And it's really brought a community together to look into not only Morris case, but other cases of missing persons. Yeah. And I think people want to solve a mystery, no matter what that mystery, even if it leads to something good or to something bad. 
Well, this is why we have you this week, Lance, on on this case of betrayal, because you're someone who's just analyzed these cases and you're really become an expert in this. So let's get into this week's betrayal. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Christine Kent is a Connecticut native, a pretty face, and a signed model. Early in her life, Christine goes on a vacation to South Florida and absolutely falls in love with the natural beauty of the Sunshine State. I grew up kind of going to Boca Raton, so I was in and out of Fort Lauderdale, so I completely understand where she's coming from here. She pictured a life here with sunny days, breezy beaches, and endless happiness. So she does what anyone would do who is looking for happiness in their life. She moves to that place, and she moves to Fort Lauderdale. The 38-year-old works at a doctor's office as a secretary where her doctor specializes in pain management. Alan Sinclair, charming but shy, comes into the office asking for help with his back pain. And Christine manages to find him an appointment where he then strikes up a conversation and eventually asks her out on a date. Now, not that there's anything wrong with asking somebody out on a date, I think, Lance. I think, you know, it's it's you find someone attractive, you want to do this. But it does seem maybe a little bit odd considering you're in a doctor's office asking, like, the secretary for a date. Or is this just how men think? Tell me, Lance. No, you're right. I, I think um, it's a combination of how men think and also, I don't know if it ran through your mind, but maybe this wasn't the first time he had seen her. Maybe there was something that mm. no one knows that maybe he saw her in the lobby one time or, or saw her in the parking lot at one time and then made up this story about his back pain returning and, and he needed to go in. And maybe this was something that he had been planning for a little bit and uh, and knowing how it all transpires down the road, maybe this was something that was a little bit more premeditated and wasn't such a happenstance type meeting. but. It really could be written off to the guy sitting in the waiting room, sees an attractive uh, secretary taking the appointments and is like, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, shoot your shot. Right. Maybe yeah. this is like, I don't know if I'm going to be back here. Let me try mine. Christine works at the doctor's office full time, but continued to model on the weekends. And at one point, she was even a promotional model for a gun show where a lot of the clients were men. I would often have men just coming up to me to talk with me and hang around the booth just to chat with me and try to work a conversation with me. It made me a little uneasy. I wasn't very comfortable with it. Okay, like literally, Lance, like tell me you're from Florida without telling me you're from Florida, a model at a gun show. I mean, you're either from Texas or from Florida with this one. Am I right? I mean, this is it. Yeah, I guess only in Florida. Beautiful (laughs) state. While picking up some dropped promotional materials from the floor one weekend, a man named Jeremy Atkins bumps into Christine and begins to flirt. Now, weirdly, Christine sees none other than Alan Sinclair in the distance as Jeremy Atkins is kind of hitting on her. And in an effort to get the Jeremy guy to stop flirting with her, Christine calls Alan over in hopes it would thwart this guy's awkward intentions. It's kind of weird for me, Lance. Maybe it's just because I'm a woman to kind of like divert maybe one creep to go to another kind of creep. I mean, we don't know that Alan is creepy, but it does seem a little bit of like dodging a bullet to use one guy who you just rejected in order to get from another guy who you want to reject. Or has this happened to you before, Lance? I have never I have never been brought into a situation where someone needed to <laughs> divert their attention from me or 
or from someone else with me. Uh, I've that never you been, know of. That I know that of. you know of. Now that I'm thinking about <laughs> it, this actually explains many situations in my life. But <laughs> but it is it is interesting that uh, he was there. I mean, from what you're telling me, he was just happened to be there and he just happened to be at the doctor's office. I get it. He, he needed a doctor's appointment. But this guy seems to be popping up in, in situations where uh, are a bit of a surprise. And maybe in situations that she needs him the most, Christine's modeling career continues and Alan starts to take notice as well. Alan shows up to several more of the gun shows while Christine was working. In fact, he would stop by the booth and talk to her a while each and every time. Alan came to, I think, two or three of these shows uh, while I was working, and he just stopped by the booth, and he would linger around and talk with me for a little bit. The last time I saw him at the gun and knife show, he was no longer being treated at the doctor's office. And I thought, well, what's the harm in it? He seems like a nice guy. So I ended up accepting his invite. It seemed okay. So once they arrive at their destination, Christine realizes that they both had different ideas for grabbing drinks. Christine thought they would go to a bar near a beach to just chat. But before she knew it, Alan kind of had this whole elaborate picnic planned in the park. This is how you know things are going badly quickly, right? When it's not matching up on your first date. I mean, it's it's seriously uncomfortable. Uh, yes. Th- it's it, 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 This was supposed to be their first date, right? Or it wasn't even supposed to be a date at all. Right. It was just kind of supposed to be like, a, you know, let's grab a drink and chat about gun type stuff, you know, yeah. a friendly thing because she's already rejected him. Yeah. And here we go again. We got the premeditation on his part. He's got a picnic planned. It's planned. Uh, right. Exactly. So anyway, Alan pours her a glass of wine and cheers to gun show stalkers, which. Normal. I mean, normal. Yeah, sure. I mean, who hasn't cheered to gun show stalkers in their day? But this awkward toast Makes Christine obviously uncomfortable in so many ways. And Alan says if it wasn't for that weird stalker guy at the gun show, they wouldn't be there enjoying the picnic, which, by the way, she never asked for that picnic. So this picnic is going along as he as he as he plans. And Alan proceeds to get up and play some music on his radio. And if this date she didn't ask for couldn't go any weirder, he then asks her to dance Still uncomfortable, Christine says no and that they should just remain friends. So she kind of immediately friend zones him the moment she realizes it's getting uncomfortable. And remember, she was cool with drinks at a bar, but this is turning into something that's clearly not in the friendship zone. And Alan is now disgruntled and annoyed by the situation, and Christine remembers it well. It's almost like a switch had been flipped. He got instantly angry and he just poured out the wine glasses and started packing up everything. I don't think he said two words to me the whole way back, but I was so glad to be dropped off. I was relieved. And let me just say, like, he's, he gets up, like, you reject somebody, and not just, not just men. I, I want to say that women can probably act like this too. You reject someone and they immediately get angry over you for it and pour the glass of wine and be kind of shut down. This, to me is a surefire red flag and at least a good tell of how the relationship would be moving forward if you piss this person off. Oh, for sure. Because this person has concocted this 
uh, image in their heads of how this uh, moment's going to go. Right? They've 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 built it up in their head where she's going to be swept off her feet and say, "This is so romantic." The wine, the the surprise of the picnic, the blanket, the dancing. Now we're going to dance, and he had all of this in his head, and it was going to play out in his head like <laughs> like a romantic Hallmark movie. And she she's amazing by saying we just should be friends. We need to shut this down. And that doesn't go over well. That destroys that portrait that he painted in his head. Yeah, she's taken the wind out of his sails a little bit, but he kind of set the sails up in the first place. So it's not really on her to knock him down. So get this, Alan drops Christine off at her car after this whole, you know, debauchery at this picnic, and they never see each other again for almost a year. So for me, that kind of says if they don't see each other for almost a year, maybe he's maybe he was just a little awkward, a little uncomfortable, didn't read the signals right, but nothing dangerous about this guy right now. So almost a year goes by and out of nowhere, Christine comes face to face with Alan unexpectedly again. Christine goes on a trip to the hardware store where she bumps into Alan, who now works there. Well, Christine is doing a gardening project and complains about how expensive it is. Alan, at this point, offers to help build a nice flower box for her, and she accepts his offer. And the two begin working together in her garden. And Christine's friend Emily drops by to visit and comments on his incredible work. Emily seems interested in what he's able to do and asks for Alan to build something like that for her. He agrees, and he even offers to do it for free as well. In my mind, Alan's probably thinking, if I get on her best friend's side and she and I butter her up a little bit, then I can get on Christine's good side, right? Yeah, it's an in. It's a it's it's, it's just in. it's a doorway in. Also, what are the odds that he's this amazing carpenter? I mean, maybe you don't have to be an amazing carpenter to build a, a, a flower box, but it's good enough for her friends like, wow, I need one too. Well, he just so happens to be very talented at all of this. That's and, insane. Well, Christine is happy that Alan was willing to help Emily out. It showed he was a good guy. And one thing leads to another between Alan and Emily. And before long, they end up dating for three months. But then just a few weeks later, a hurricane approaches South Florida and Alan offers Christine a hand to get her windows boarded up. Christine, who's in desperate need of help, says yes and was super relieved to have his help. I mean, remember, Christine didn't really grow up in this part of the country. I mean, she came to Fort Lauderdale thinking it was beautiful and magical, which usually doesn't involve the hurricanes. And now she doesn't really have a lot of friends or family to help her kind of settle into this new lifestyle and prepare for a hurricane. So, you know, that's one of the reasons, I think, why she was so amenable to Alan kind of helping her out. And Christine may have known this, and she invites Alan inside where he notices a scrape on his arm and wants to help him clean it up. Well, this timing was terrible because at an exact moment, a guy Christine is dating at the time stops by to make sure she's okay and catches the two together. I mean, for me, and Lance, I don't know if you're in a relationship, but I would probably want to check in with my girlfriend first if I kind of had this other person who I knew was at least romantically interested in me coming over to help me out. Oh, absolutely. I hope your girlfriend's listening right now. You hear that, Lance's girlfriend? He's a good guy. Nothing to see here. Just move on from this. He's clearly trustworthy here. But Bob, Christine's boyfriend, seemed a little jealous and not happy that someone else came by to help her. But this news took Alan by surprise, too. In this moment, he storms off angry that she is a boyfriend 
and could have just asked Bob for help. Christine sort of is remembering this awkward moment here. He offered to help me as a friend. It really wasn't his place to be jealous or upset, but I felt kind of bad the way the whole situation ended up. I mean, okay, but isn't Alan dating Emily? I mean, isn't this an overreaction on Alan's part? I mean, he hasn't really seen her for a year, helps her out, dates her best friend. Like, isn't this, isn't he overreacting in a lot of ways? Yeah, exactly. And I would say that he overreacted with the I beat you to it, to the boyfriend, because that's just uh, throwing the gauntlet down uh, to measure your masculinity uh, and to also say, you know, where were you? Where were you? He's putting putting the boyfriend out in front of uh, Christine to 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 say he didn't even have the he didn't have the courtesy to to fix your your windows first. He, he did. You know, there was a whole thing right there that it, that's all psychological in Alan's head, like the dating of, of Emily and and like the the reaction. It was an overreaction because he still had that portrait painted. That he was right. he was the person who was going to save her, and they were going to have that wonderful dance on the in, in the park one day. Yeah, I mean, this is so emotionally manipulative, though, and I think yeah. this is how easily it is to kind of get into abusive relationships, especially emotionally abusive ones, because you end up just trying to please the other person, and the moment that you don't, they're angry at you, and then you feel bad, and then you kind of equate pleasing them with your own self-worth. And so this, to me, this is just red flag all around with his temper and his obsession with Christine. Now, a couple of weeks go by, and Christine bumps into her friend Emily, who tells her that she broke up with Alan because they didn't have a future together. And then when she broke the news to him, he similarly got angry and stomped off, and Emily knew this was kind of bad. She also tells Christine that Alan's mom kept calling her to stop calling Alan. So Emily finds it very weird, given that Alan is in his late 30s, which I find particularly a little bit weird, too. No judgment on who's close with their mothers. But if you're in your 30s, hell, if you're in your 20s, I don't think that your parents should be getting involved in your relationship But that's just me. I mean, the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear this is Norman Bates. Like Norman Bates is always that classic like red flag figure with the mom. It's weird. It's just weird. (laughs) But anyway, with Alan basically out of the picture, Christine moves on. So it all seems hunky dory. Uh, Now a couple of years go by and Christine arrives home to an empty house after a long day of work and grocery shopping. She hears a knock on the door late at night and she opens the door and finds none other than Alan Sinclair. At what point do we call someone a stalker, Lance? I mean, he knew that she had just arrived home, that she was probably home alone. I would say at this point, yes, either in the in the past, he was either invited there to build the flower bed or it had been, quote, coincidental meetings at the gun show and at the uh, parking lot. This is the first time where he is arriving at her private residence uh, almost immediately. Right. Almost immediately after she gets home. Right. Late at night, 10 ish at night or something. Right. And where what was he doing? So you have to think about that, right? What was he doing? Was he just passing by at that time? He was sitting in his car waiting for Yeah, and I do think that any incident individually could be a coincidence. But when you take all of them together, it just, all of the mashing up, it would, the likelihood of all of these just being coincidence just seemed very unlikely to me. And Alan says he's just in the neighborhood, 
thought he would stop by. Christina startled by the random appearance, but because Alan had been polite and helpful to her in the past, she was sort of willing to talk to him. I mean, I think she kind of lets him in because of these acts of kindness he shows her. I mean, he's sort of shown, you know, he hasn't shown any violent behavior outside of the fact that he kind of threw the wine and got upset. But he hasn't really, you know, he hasn't really done anything that's violating to her yet. But I do think right now this is kind of where you have to keep your guard up. I mean, this is your own personal property. You don't owe something to someone you find odd just because they've been nice to you in the past. You don't owe this to people. And this is kind of important to remember. Alan says that he has recently gotten into photography and asks if he can come in to show her some of his work. I mean, okay, this is a pickup line at its finest, but we don't have Instagram there, so it's not like, hey, check out my story from today. But to drop by unannounced with your laptop, ready to show you a, a thing and show you his photography, weirdo. Major just, red flag. Just in the neighborhood. Don't, yeah, don't let him. Just in the neighborhood. Just, yeah. just in the neighborhood, exactly. Passing through. Yes, ex- with my laptop, ready to show a full slideshow of pictures I've just shot. But mm-hmm. if if... It was at this point where betrayal takes on a whole new meaning with Christine and Alan. Alan and Christine sit down in her living room, and he shows her the slideshow of photos on his laptop. But eventually, that slideshow starts to repeat, indicating that the photography show is over. And at this moment, knowing his time with Christine is probably coming to an end, Alan stands up abruptly, saying that he's going to have to get something out of his bag. And the interesting thing here is to me, as I'm as the story unfolds, he's kind of just looking at excuses to spend more time with her. You know, as the slideshow's repeating, I think he's just trying to grasp at straws. But before Christine knows it, she has a gun pressed behind her head, with Alan instructing her to put her head down on the sofa. I can't imagine this. I mean, this is absolutely terrifying. Christine spoke publicly about this moment and what it felt like to go from trusting someone or home to a gun pointed to her head. Let's listen. I saw my life flash before my eyes and I saw a horrible scene of my blood and brain matter splattered all over the wall. And I thought, this is not how I want to go out. But in this moment, Christine finds the courage to pull away from Alan and the gun, which I can't imagine. I mean, I've watched so many things. I've covered so many cases. And I've often thought about, you know, if some person, you know, approaches me on the street and has a gun, you're giving them the wallet. You're giving them the money. You're giving them the cell phone. But in your own home with this, with someone you kind of sort of know, I don't know if that's even extra creepy. I I don't know what I would do. Have you ever thought about this in a weird macabre way if if someone kind of pointed a gun to your head what would you do i mean it seems like such a betrayal jesus yeah i don't know in this particular circumstance it's so creepy to me how long she's known him without really knowing him she's she's been acquainted to him and maybe been a friend of his for for years so this has just been this slow boil inside him about her for years until it 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 switches to a gun. I mean, a gun to your head? That's a that's a fraction before you're dead. My first thought is, why is Alan doing this? And I do think a little bit maybe in my mind when I found out he pulled out the gun, it was like, well, if I can't have her, then no one's going to have her kind of thing. And, you know, we've seen that trope often. But Christine jumps off the couch away from Alan, despite him continuing to point the gun at her. 
The only thing Christine can think of is to try to calm him down in this situation. She continues trying to get him to talk to her while distracting him in hopes that they can inch closer and closer to the door. And once she reaches the door, she realizes that Alan locked the deadbolt, which, you know, kind of locks her inside a little bit or it's going to take a little bit more effort to get out now. And at this moment, Christine tries to unlock the door without taking her eyes off of him, all while having a gun pointed at her. And once she unlocks and opens the door, he slams it shut and locks it again. I mean, this is incredible composure for somebody who has a gun pointed to her head, in my opinion. And she knows now she's really pushing it. He still has a gun. How many times am I going to try to unlock this door? Yeah, and I, I think she's kind of just hoping and praying that an act of God can kind of save her now because it doesn't seem like he's going to let her out of the house. So at this point, Christine thinks about kicking him as hard as she can, which I thought about that too, but was afraid she would kind of get shot while doing so. You know, the gun could go off. It could He could shoot her anyway, even after kicking him. So she keeps talking to him, saying how much God loves him and wouldn't want him to do this or hurt her in hopes a connection to religion will help him lower his gun. She unlocks the door one more time, and this time it works. She escapes out of the house and makes a run for it. But tragically, as she's screaming and running for help, Alan follows and takes aim at Christine kind of in the ether. Two bullets hit Christine, one in the middle of her right foot. Presumably while she's running away, the aim was just probably very bad and her foot was up at the time. The other went through the middle of her spine. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, it's so daunting and unsettling that she was able to escape the house at point blank range, but still gets gunned down by Alan here. I mean, imagine that moment of freedom when you're unlocking that door must have felt incredible. But then to get shot twice. I mean, this saga is just crazy. And Christine falls to the ground and yells for someone to help her. But remember, the bullet hit her spine here. Tragically, she can't move anything from her chest down. I'm laying in my driveway in disbelief that I've just been shot. I was terrified. I thought to myself, oh, dear God, this can't get any worse. After Christine was shot, Alan runs back into the house and grabs his laptop and jumps into his truck. And I imagine he's grabbing the laptop to kind of cover up any evidence here uh, of, of what went down or who was there. But that's when the unthinkable happens. He ran over my right leg and he came up right onto my abdomen with the tire. It was practically in my face. He turned his steering wheel and turned the direction of the tire and went completely off of my body, over the side, over my hip. He was trying to kill me, trying to finish me off. And the next thing I know, he backed off down my driveway. He drove off. Okay, so he shoots her. She's in a driveway. Then he takes his monster truck and is like digging the knife in deeper here. I mean, he doesn't kill her, but he's running over her. I mean, I think at this point, as sick as it is to say, if I were Christine, I'd probably just want to die at this point. I mean, this is utter torture. This is unbearable here. What do you think about this? I'm blown away. I'm I'm blown away that you can drive a truck on top of a human being yes and and turn the wheel like grind like grind it down uh when it could have been way easier for him to just finish her with the gun i mean this is like see he's got some rage this is real deep anger that's not even about her anymore i mean I can't, that's like one of your worst fears, right? Like you're, you're shot or, or you're injured to the point where you can't move and you see this horrible, impending, inevitable death coming at you slowly. And then it slowly right. is coming on to you. I can't even imagine. I mean, it's un, I, unreal you know, to I've, me. I've talked about this a lot. Like, you know, first off, this guy clearly needs therapy here, but, I, and, and mental health is definitely important. But I think to your point, like, if the goal is to kill her, why not just kill her? I mean, I think when you uh, when you are so willing to torture someone, which is what this is, a slow and painful, torturous death, I think that there is so much emotion behind that. I think there's just, there's so much beyond that when that's happening that he wanted to see her struggle. He wanted to see her suffer, maybe the way that he had suffered by being rejected by her. I don't know for sure, but this is just awful. And at this point, Christine is still screaming for help. This area is so quiet that you can hear a pin drop. So thankfully, after a couple of minutes, a vehicle pulls in the driveway. And here she is thinking, okay, she's going to be saved. She lived through this tremendous moment. Christine is so relieved to see someone maybe helping her. But those emotions quickly dissipate when she realizes who it is. And looking up, it's Alan returning to the scene of the crime. 
So without a word, Alan grabs her by the ankles and starts dragging her across the driveway. She cries and screams, begging him to stop as the flesh starts tearing from her elbows, back, and spine from the gunshot wounds. And the dragging, of course, is just ripping into those open wounds. Alan expects Christine won't survive, so he leaves her for dead. Which, to me, I don't know, like... In what world, why wouldn't he have finished her off here? I mean, she's screaming. She's clearly alive. What do you think is going through his mind? In some way, does he want to get caught? I don't know if he just doesn't have it in himself to end a life. I mean, he what did he think was going to happen there? Which I guess only makes me think he didn't want to see her die. If he runs her over with his car, he doesn't actually physically see her die. And then he drives off and he can hear her screaming. He probably stops and is like, I, I got to get her off the driveway at least. So, but, right. but he just doesn't have it in him to actually end her life. Cause I think in a weird way, he loves this. Like yeah. He's obsessed with this person. I mean, he loves her. He wants to be with her. And I'm not saying this is healthy in any sort of way, but kind of hearkening back to what I said before about wanting her to suffer the way that he suffered when he's not with her. I mean, this could be just a reflection of that. Just, constant rejections over and over and over again, kind of killing him. Uh, He wants her to feel this constant rejection. It's very egotistical in so many ways. Well, she starts screaming for help again, but this time off to the side of the house. At around 11 p.m., she finally hears sirens coming up the street. Neighbors heard the gunshots, but were too scared to come out and see what has been happening. But they finally call the police once this whole saga is over. And to be fair... I can't blame those neighbors only because if I heard gunshots outside of my house, I'm not confident I would be able to run out. I'd call the police, but I'm not sure I would go outside to kind of help anybody here just because you're fearful for your own life. And this time, the car coming up the street, thankfully, is not Alan. It is the police. And they arrive and Christine tells them she can't feel her legs. Since she was still conscious, Christine gives them the identity of Alan Sinclair and a description of him and his truck he used to run her over. I mean, this is great because this seems like we're going to be able to solve this case here. Uh, When the police arrive at Alan Sinclair's house, they search it and find no sign of him or his truck. His girlfriend, however, is at the residence, but says she has not seen him since the night before and has no idea where he is. By the next morning, one of Alan's neighbors is walking his dog and finds his laptop bag hanging over a fence nearby. Inside the laptop case was a note to his girlfriend that appears to be a suicide note. And the Broward Sheriff's Office issued a BOLO, a.k.a. a be on the lookout for Allen, which goes out to all the police agencies around the country. So it's kind of these task force are set up around the country in order to communicate with each other. And if they come across him, they are to notify the sheriff's office immediately. I mean, Lance, is he officially a missing person at this point, even though he's not a victim? I mean, are you familiar with bolos and how they work and how effective they are in any any of this? Well, I, I know that uh, usually the, the bolos go out pretty quickly after the person has been um, not seen at, at, at a location where they should be seen. Like in Maura's case, they had, a, uh, they had to be on the lookout for her, even though there was no real crime committed or they could prove anything. Uh, so... As far as I know, they can go out whenever law enforcement determines that the person is not coming back uh, anytime, uh, anytime soon. But with with this guy, like it's clear what he did. Uh, It's clear that he wanted people to know he was there. His laptop bag, you said, was hanging over a neighbor's a neighbor's fence. So, I mean, 
he 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 put his laptop in his truck before, so he definitely stopped and put that laptop bag with the suicide. And I'm making quotes here: the suicide note in there to his girlfriend. I think it's like it's like a cry. It's like a, a not a cry for help, but it's like an admission. I guess. And I think to some extent there is a little bit of that. And I think that's why he didn't kill her, because I think he loves Christine. And clearly it's not a matter that he can't get girlfriends. I mean, he dated Emily. He has his current girlfriend now. So it's not a lack of being, you know, all women hate me. This is kind of a Christine specific issue here, Mm -hmm. at least for him. It seems like that. But you're right. I think it is a little bit of like. And she started talking to him about God when, you know, when she was trying to convince him out of it. I think to some extent, maybe he knows that he did something terrible but couldn't help himself. Mm -hmm. Well, a few days later, the police are called to a hardware store in Florida City, about 70 miles south of Fort Lauderdale. And there, Alan was found slumped over the wheel of his truck in a parking lot. Now, it's very hot out and passersby were concerned that maybe he had passed out or was in trouble. Sitting next to him in the truck was a gun. And in South Florida, it gets so hot. So temperatures inside of cars can go above 100 degrees. You can really cook in there. It appeared that Alan is looking to commit suicide by overheating himself in his own truck, which also seems like a terribly torturous way to go. I mean, not for nothing, you have a gun. So part of me here is like he doesn't he doesn't want to make the full commitment of this. He wants to be caught. I mean, I, I can't imagine someone would want to torture themselves when they're killing themselves, right? Absolutely. He he wasn't able to bring himself to kill Christine and he wasn't able to bring himself to kill himself. He wanted the appearance of like, I think you're right. He, I think he loved Christine or had an infatuation with her. And that was his dark expression of him showing her that. And then he 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 needed to show that he was sick and and he right. wanted people to think that he was going to kill himself and he wanted the intention there. But come on, he had a gun. He could have he, he could have ended it, but he just can't bring himself to do these things. Right. I mean, this is a cry for help if I've kind of ever seen it. I mean, the police open the car where Alan tells them to just let him die. I mean, clearly he knows what he did here. He then tells the police that he shot a woman in Fort Lauderdale and was trying to kill himself. So. You know, he's eventually taken to a nearby hospital and treated for dehydration, which would make sense because he was sitting in that car for God knows how long. When the police search his car, they uncover even more details into his evil plot against Christine. They discover a rape kit, which included duct tape, a knife, latex gloves and condoms. He also has six duct fasteners made into handcuffs. And now it's evident here that his plan was at least to rape her and then most likely kill her. And while Christine is recovering from an emergency surgery, she hears the news that Alan is in police custody. And while she's relieved that he has been caught, she's still very, very afraid of what was going to happen to her life, given she had just been shot multiple times. And doctors confirm the disorienting news. Christine would be paralyzed for the rest of her life due to the bullet in her spinal column. And Christine recalls the day she found out the horrible news and what she went through here. Let's take a listen. I was told later by the doctors at the hospital that I would never walk again. I always thought that I would I would heal and I would get better and I would be able to regain my, my mobility again, be able to walk again, but I've had to come to terms with that. The pain was excruciating the next several weeks, months. It's been years and I'm still in pain every day. It was only through the grace of God that I was able to get through this ordeal. 
I mean, just so tragic. I mean, a victim in every sense of the word. Alan Sinclair is later charged with attempted first-degree murder and pleads to no contest and is sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now, despite Alan's attempt to destroy her life, Christine continues to push through with the utmost gratefulness to still have her life. It's not easy to get out sometimes, but I do my best to get out and participate in life and have a good time. I've raced in 13 full marathons with the Achilles team, and I felt that after that, nothing can keep me down. And I'm just thankful by the grace of God that I survived. Because each and every day is a gift. No matter what life throws your way, you just have to make the best of it. You know, Lance, the thing I think so many of the listeners are wondering is, why? I mean, Alan later apologized for his actions, but gave no answers at all to this. To this day, there's no real clear motive behind why he would do this attack outside of maybe our own conjecture about what we were thinking. Do you have any additional thoughts as to maybe why is it that he just couldn't stand to have someone else be with Christine because he couldn't? I think it's really telling what they found in his vehicle. It was it was about his you know, template as you get with a rape kit, with a, with a rape, you know, the, the, the makeshift handcuffs from the cable ties and the duct tape and the condoms. And then you piece it together what he wanted to do. He wanted to hold the gun to her head and, and secure her and probably rape her and maybe kill her. But when she started to defend herself and use words against him, talk to him and try to talk him down and, 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 use use God as like, God would never want you to do this. Like that was not his plan. And then she ran. And what is she going right. to, what is she going to do from there? She's going to tell somebody now you're in trouble. So I think shooting her was a bit of a panic. And then he realizes he can't kill her. And I think him just not saying anything after that is like, uh, it's frustrating, but what is he going to say? Like the plan was to rape her. Maybe I was going to kill her, but she ran. So now it is what it is. I, right. I honestly think that's what's going on in his head. And, and he wasn't going to kill himself. And, you know, good for her for taking on. Don't you love poetic justice? Not to ramble for a little bit, but don't you love poetic no, justice? I love it. I mean, he's in prison for the rest of his life. Right. And she's out in a wheelchair racing in marathons, like about as free yeah. as it gets in contrast to each other. Right? It's incredible. Right. She's she really turned like the shittiest lemons into the most, you know, <laughs> glorious glass of lemonade. And it's nice to see a silver lining in this tragic, tragic story of just kind of love gone wrong in so many ways. But, you know, thankfully, no one died as a result of these actions and justice has been served. But this betrayal is one that will have me looking at everyone in my life uh, a little differently. I'm going to YouTube how to put storm uh, boards on my windows for sure and probably learn to do my own gardening in some sort of way because now I'm not trusting of anyone. But Lance, I am trusting of you. Thank you so much for joining us today on this roller coaster of an episode. Where can people find and hear you on the internet these days for anyone that's just fallen in love with you like I have? Uh, where can people look you up? Well, you can check out our website at crawlspace-media.com and from there you can link to any one of the shows that we produce and you can see all of the uh, new shows that we have in the works and any live events that we're going to be doing. So that's crawlspace-media.com. From there, you can pretty much get to anywhere that's associated with us. And thank you so much for this. This has been of course 
it, it's been great, but I, I love that we can have the conversation where we can laugh a little bit, but then we both understand like this is like the severity of this. Like I was God. I yes. was so glad knowing that she was alive going into this because I could I don't think it, it would have bothered me so much to think like, oh man, he got her. And I'm so glad that this was uh, how it turned out. Lance, as always, you're just absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for being here. And thanks everyone out there for listening. I'll see you on another episode of Betrayal. For fan reactions and more, head over to crimefeed.com slash podcasts. And for more true crime TV like this, be sure to download the Discovery Plus app today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.